Over the last week, man, we have had all kinds of opportunities to respond to all kinds of different things, haven't you? I mean, if you're watching the news, you're getting stuff from work, uh, we get the opportunity to respond to different things. I mean, you're looking and you're seeing uh, businesses open or businesses shut back down. You're seeing states open, you're seeing states shut back down. You're hearing politicians pontificate about all kinds of different things, whether you're on this side or this side. You're getting to hear, uh, man, you're, you're responding to School. School has set new uh, opportunities for going back. Some of you are going, uh, I don't know if I like that. Some of you are going, yeah. I mean, you're, we, we have all kinds of opportunities to respond to all kinds of different things. And here's the thing that you all of us know. If you, some of you are leading in a business field or, listen, whatever it is that you do, someone's got a response, don't they? You're going to make some people happy. You're going to make some people upset. But we all get to respond. You know, God has created us in such a way that we are responding people. And most often, the things that we respond to the most are are the things that happen within us. Uh, Listen, I I respond quickly to things that happen inside of me. Uh, They're not always positive. Like one of the things that I always, I mean, when my body starts making those noises, I'm responding quickly. I want to make sure I'm ready to eat something. I've got to have something around because we are responding people. Think about this week uh, at, at home. Some of you have been responding to kids all week, and you're going, I'm done. I'm out. Some of you teachers, you're like about to start responding to kids, and you're thinking, oh, gosh, I'm going to be done. I'm going to be out. Uh, you're responding to notifications. My goodness. Does your phone like blow up all the time? There's some notification you've got running. Today in Psalm 95, we're going to be looking at how we are called to be responding people. God has created us in such a way that he desires us to respond. That's just how he's created us. And in Psalm 95, we're going to get to look at that and see. Here's a couple of things. If you're writing, if you're new or you've not been around in a while, I want to remind you, uh, I'm going to encourage you to write down some things. I think it's important. I want you to thumb some things into your tablet. A couple of things that you're going to be seeing today in, in Psalm 95 that we're always responding to is this. Number one, in Psalm 95, we're going to see a word on worship that we've got to respond and worship. Number two you're going to check out as we walk through here is we're going to see a word of warning and that we are required to respond to that warning. And then the last thing that we're going to look at, in fact, we're even going to go over to Hebrews to look at this, is we're going to look at that we are required to respond to God's word, his written word and his living word. So with that, Let's jump in. I'm going to start reading a Psalm 95, beginning in verse 1. The very first thing that we're going to, we're going to see is I want you to write down, we're going, to, we're going to talk about a word on worship, all right? Psalm 95, we're going to begin at verse 1, and I'm going to read through the beginning of verse 7, all right? Because there's a, there's a unique break there that we'll see. Uh, and so if you've got your Bibles, let's start reading. Psalm 95, beginning at verse 1. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God 
and a great king above all gods. Verse four, in his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountain are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture. Uh, now, the psalmist begins, the songwriter He's going to begin here, and he's going to repeat some things. Anytime you're reading Scripture and you see some repeating, you ought to be underlining, you ought to be circling it up, all right? All psalmists, all of the psalmists, they repeat a lot of things, like a good songwriter. Listen, you listen to songs, and you hear a chorus over and over and over. You hear verses repeated. You may hear the bridge repeated. When you take words, and you set them to a melody, and you begin to repeat them, they begin to drive deep into your life and in your heart. You guys know that. We've talked about this before, because when you listen to songs that you remember from way, way back, they start to come back to you. Well, that's what the psalmist does. And the psalmist here is calling us and he's inviting us. The writer of this is calling us and inviting us. And he's calling us to do this. He's calling us to come to God and to worship him. He's automatically beginning to call us to do something. He's asking us to respond to the word here. In the first two verses of this psalm, if you've got them, I want you to look at it. In the first two verses of this psalm, the writer calls the listeners to move towards God and to meet God. He says, come, let us sing to the Lord. Notice he says in verse two, come into his presence. Verse six, he says, later he says, come again, come to God. You see, he's inviting us. He's calling us to a response. He's calling us to come and meet with God. He's calling us out of expectancy to come expect expecting to meet with God, to sing with him, to be met by him. Not only are we going to meet him, he's going to meet us also. And he's saying, listen, you need to come expectantly and you need to come joyfully, come joyfully with much singing. The word here, he has th there's three times he has the word come. I want you to underline them or circle them. Three times in verse one, he says, come, and in that, when he says, come there, he's meaning this word, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The word means to move forward. In verse two, he has the word, come again. And it means to meet with, in Hebrew, to meet with. In verse six, he has come again. He, he writes it again. And it means to enter in. All three of these verbs, they're verbs. And they're saying, listen, come, come meet, come enter in, come gather in. Come expectantly. Do you catch what it is that he's asking us to do? One of the things I want you to check out today, I want you to go back, and I'm already going to give you some homework. I want you to read back through Psalm 95 at home, and then I want you to read Hebrews 3 and 4, all right? I'm giving you a little heads up here. In Psalm 95, there are so many plural pronouns. He, come let us, you, our he is speaking to a congregation of people, and he's saying, listen, congregation, you need to come. Come and meet with God. You see, what we do in here is a collective thing. It's not an individual thing. It is us coming together to meet with the Lord and expecting him 
also to meet with us. But here's the thing. All of us have come from very different places, haven't we? All of us came from different family experiences. Today, when you came, you came from different places around Murfreesboro or Rutherford County. You came this week from a workplace that has many different challenges. You came from a home that has very unique things going on in it. But here's what the psalmist tells us. Though we all come from different places, we're coming with different expectations, he gives us a command. And he says this, we are to come and worship. Very specifically, he says, we're to come and worship by singing and singing joyfully. Now, I'm going to ask you to do this for a second. I want you to think for just a moment. You're online, you're in the family room, you're in the auditorium room. I want you to think about when you came onto this campus today, none of us came probably listening to the exact same songs, thinking the same things. But when we walked into these doors, I'm going to ask you this. Did you come expecting to meet God today? Or did you come expecting, oh, yeah, I'm going to see so-and-so, I'm going to see them, I get to see them. I'm going to get to kind of check this out. Is this something I want to do? I'm going to kind of stick my toe back in the water. Or did you come thinking, I am meeting with the living God today. I'm coming to sing. In this room, we've come with all kinds of heavy burdens. But you know what the Scripture tells us? The Scripture tells us this, that when we come, we're to come joyfully with joy in our heart, and it's to be expressed joyfully. With, we're going we're gonna to do something real quick, all right? Everybody, online, family room, in this room. If you're in this room right now, I want you to like make, your, make the sides of your mouth go up. Smile. Oh, yeah, that looks great. Do you know what it sounds like when we sing with a smile on our face? Oh, my gosh. This, the Scripture says, we're to come expectantly and joyfully singing. Joyfully singing. In verses 1 and 2, look at this. Verse 1 and 2, he uses the word joyful. The word joy twice. It's two different words. But those two words appear over 160 times in the Old Testament in 83 different verses. You're going, why are you telling me that? Two times Two times perverse. And you know what it's always about? It's always about coming joyfully before God and meeting with him and singing back. That's, an, that's is how God's called us. This is what the psalmist says. He says, listen, when you come to meet God, come joyfully, come ready to sing. Come. And I love how he says, make a joyful noise. Listen, if you were sitting up here on the front, you'd be going, That's a, I, listen, I, I don't like what I'm hearing, but boy, he sure is happy doing it. That's what the Lord has called us to do, is to come before him joyfully singing, singing out. But I think so often we come into this building many times, and we're worried about all kinds of things. Listen, we can't come here and deposit all of our worries but we have to bring our worries here and lay them before the Father and say, God, you have them, and I'm going to joyfully give them to you, and I'm going to sing out to you today. In spite of everything I see, in spite of everything around me, God, I'm choosing joy today. 
Yet I think a lot of times also we come in and we're more worried about what we're hearing, what we're not hearing, the songs that we're singing, the songs we're not singing. What's going on? No one's here. This person's not here. Where are they? My kids are moving. We're opening. Masks are happening. Masks aren't happening. Listen, folks, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. We're bringing so many things to this very place, whether you're in a family room or in this auditorium room. And here's what the Lord has asked us. Here's what the psalmist is asking. He's asking us to come in spite of all that we drag with us, but we come expectantly to meet the Lord God. We come expectantly to sing out to him, to praise him, to meet him, to open our mouths and sing to him. God inhabits the praises of his people. We give our voices to all kinds of things today, don't we? We give our voices to all kinds of things. Uh, What the politician did or didn't do. What my mom did or didn't do. What my husband or my wife did or didn't do. For many of us, our voices are expressed through finger vomiting online. You get what I'm saying? We give our voices to so many things. We give our voices to justice issues. We give our voices to this thing and this thing. And listen, I want you to hear me. Please make sure you hear me. Those things are important. But I want to ask you something today, this morning. Have you given your voice joyfully to God in these moments that we've met together. Have you been in this room, in the family room, online, and said, God, I'm yours. I am joyfully meeting with you today. Whether I stand, whether I kneel, whether I'm sitting, God, I'm coming before you, and I want to meet with you this morning. I want to sing to you, God. I want to sing to you. Look at verse four. Verse four says this. The psalmist says that there are some things that should evoke praise and joy out of us. Did you notice what he says here? He says, in his hands are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. He's talking all about nature. He's talking about, listen, the highest of heights, the lowest of lows, all that God has done, all that he's made, all that is his, He even says it's in his right hand. And he says, because of that, we should sing out to God. We should sing out to God. You know, I've had the opportunity, and Amy and I, I, I've traveled to uh, the Grand Canyon a couple of times. And uh, it's pretty awe-inspiring if you've never been. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing to be able to see this huge hole in the ground. I mean, it's overwhelming canyons and rivers. Did you know that the average person, the Park Service, the National Park Service, has done studies on these things? Do you know that the average person spends only 17 minutes at the Grand Canyon? The average visitor, catch this, the average visitor spends 17 minutes at the Grand Canyon. You know what they do, don't you? 
I mean, literally, when I was there, I saw businessman after businessman in suit and tie. I mean, like Johnston and Murphy's with a briefcase walking up. They look around. They pull out their phone, get a little picture, get back in the car and drive back to Phoenix or Las Vegas, wherever it is they flew into. That's like three, three and a half hours both ways. But don't we do this, guys? Listen, don't we do this when we come to meet the living God? We come and we sit in, and we know more than we'll probably... Listen, did you realize that today we probably won't spend more than 15 or 20 minutes singing to God today in this room? And the psalmist says, listen, we're to come, and we're to sing, and we're to be joyful. Come, let us worship and bow down. How is it that the earth spins at the right speed going around the sun? We don't fall off. Things continue to happen. I mean, it's perfect we don't burn up. Only God could do that. Listen, this last week, it has rained and rained and rained. How is it that a cloud can form and drop moisture droplets Fill up rivers, streams, oceans, water your grass. The grass grows. It evaporates, goes back to the clouds, and starts all over again. How how is that? How is that? How is it that a brown cow eats green grass, produces white milk, lives in a red barn? (laughs) Only God does that. How, How is it? that us, collective, how is it that we mere creatures can look at creation and go, 15 minutes got to go, and not step back and go, God, I worship you. In the time that he's given us in these brief moments, to joyfully sing to him. But quickly, we've got to move on. I'm sorry. We have to move on. He also calls us to a response to a warning that he gives in 7, the end of verse 7 through 11. Look at it with me. He says, today. That's pretty emphasis. Today. That doesn't mean like yesterday or tomorrow. That means like today. I would circle that. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day of Messiah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years, I loathed that generation. I loathed, oh, that word, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath. They shall not enter my rest. Does this sound familiar? We have read this over and over in the Psalms. In fact, last week, we just read it in the Psalm last week also that we went through, Psalm 78. All right? See, a good songwriter, a good psalmist, they repeat it. That's how they want you to remember these things. But he's giving them a warning, and here's what he's warning them, and he's calling them. He says, listen, I'm going to give you a warning, and you have to respond to that warning. You've got to respond to that. Notice he says that they harden their heart. 
Is that really such a big deal? I mean, they harden their heart. I mean, is it our, can, can I not tell God no? Can I not question whether or not what he has for me is real? I mean, don't I kind of know what's best in this instance? According to the psalmist, no, this is a pretty big deal. It says they hardened their heart. It says they were arrogant, that they were ignorant. Verse 8, look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, the psalmist says here, don't do what your fathers did. Don't be arrogant like they are, like they were. Listen, don't do what your fathers did. That should remind you from last week. He's warning them about two places where as they were traveling out of Egypt, uh, headed out of the Exodus, they stopped at a place called Meribah. Exodus 17, you may want to go back there later and look at that. He's he's talking about a place called Meribah, and the word means quarreling. It's where they quarreled about would God really meet meet their needs? Would Would he be there for them in that time? And then he calls out another place called Massah, also in Exodus 17. It's also in Numbers and a couple of other places. And Massah means testing. It's where they actually saw all that God did. They questioned whether or not he would meet them. They questioned whether or not, is he strong enough? And he put, they put God to the test, the scripture says. There's only one place in scripture where God says, test me. And that's with our offerings and our tithes. He says, test me and see that I will not be faithful to you. Everywhere else, the scripture tells us that we are not to test God. And God says, listen, you tested me. He says, listen, don't be like them. Don't be like your forefathers who were arrogant. They were ignorant of all that I've done. In fact, they saw it and still didn't walk in faith and believe it. Guys, how many times have you and I, I mean, it's easy to look back, isn't it? It's easy to look at these passages and look back and go, how did they miss it? But you and I are just like this also. All of the things, family room, all of the things that God has done for us, how he's met us in our time of need, how he took care of us when we didn't know what was going on, when there were bills that need to be paid and we were going, how am I going to pay this? When there were relationships that were broken and destroyed, yet he restored them and we see it and yet we look at God sometimes and we harden our heart and go, God, I don't know if I, this is really what I ought to do or not. Should I really do that? And he looks at them and he says, listen, don't be like your forefathers. Don't harden your heart. Don't put me to the test. Don't do it. He says, listen, when you, if you're going to be like your fathers, you need to know. Look what happened in verse 10. In verse 10, it says that he loathed that generation, and for 40 years they wandered. And because they were arrogant, because they were ignorant of what it is that God had done in their lives, they refused, they hardened their heart. The scripture says that they did not enter into his rest. You know what that means? And there's no way to get around this. It means that they were eternally separated from him in a real place called hell. Do you realize this was written? He's speaking about his chosen people, Israel. These are people that identified that we follow. Listen, we're following Moses who follows God. And he says, listen, they were hard-hearted. They were arrogant. They They ignored everything that I gave them, how I met them. And he says, because of that, they're spending, they're spending eternity away.
It demands a response from us. Are we going to be arrogant and ignorant of all that God's done in our lives? Are we going to harden our heart? Or are we going to come before him and are we going to worship him in joyful expectation? In the brief moments that we come together as a congregation, as this is written to us, are we going to let it all crowd out? Are we going to crowd it all out? Or are we going to bring it and say, God, I'm expecting to meet you and I'm worshiping you joyfully? I'm choosing joy today. But there's one last thing, quickly. In Psalm 95, there's a commentary of it over in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. This do not harden your heart. Today, if you hear my voice, happens in Exodus and Numbers. It's happened in 95. And now again in Hebrews 3 and 4. And we're not going to talk all the way through those things. I want you to look at them later. But again, remember, when things repeat, it's important, okay? It's important. And so here in Hebrews 3 and 4, there's a little commentary on it. And in the middle of this, in fact, Hebrews 3, I believe it's 7, they start a direct, it's a direct quote of Psalm 95. And he's talking about how, how Jesus is the greater Moses. Moses was leading the people out of captivity to freedom. And he's comparing how Jesus now is the greater Moses who, is, who has come and who has led us as captives, captives to sin. He has set us free and he is leading us out of bondage. In Hebrews chapter four, I'm gonna start reading at verse 12 and I'm gonna read through quickly. Hebrews chapter verses 12 through 16, we get a word here that we have to respond to concerning God's word. He says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no, listen, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who we must give an account. Verse 14, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. Verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, here's what I want you to catch. For us to truly be able to come and worship with expectancy and joy, to not be arrogant and not be uh, prideful, Listen, it's the word of God. It's the written word of God that helps to bring that because you know what it does is it reveals our hard heart to us. The scripture, when we read it, the Holy Spirit, as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus in here today, we should thank God because his Holy Spirit is the teacher. He is the one that reveals to us our true selves and it exposes us. In fact, this says, the passage that I just read here, I believe it's in verse uh, 12, it says that it's it, sharper than any two-edged sword. There's nothing that the word of God does not, cannot reveal in your life. Even the smallest of things that you thought were hidden away, the scripture says that the word of God reveals it, opens it up, lays it out. That's something that we should find joy in. 
Uh, listen, it is very, very difficult when the word of God reveals something that's difficult in my life. That is sin, just to be real honest with you. But you know what? I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit reveals it because when he reveals it, I can bring it to God, give it back to him, and then be begin to worship Jesus again rightly as I should. Listen, that sin, that sin did not separate me from God, but it did help, it, it, it did create a break in fellowship where, listen, I've done something against God, so I want to hide like Adam did and Eve, and I, I want to close myself up with my own righteousness. And the Holy Spirit reveals, the Word of God reveals to me that I'm naked before God. He points out sin in my life so that I can then bring that back to the cross and have a joyful worship. God, I love you. Listen, we can't rightly, we cannot rightly worship God for who he is unless the word of God reveals to us the bad news of our sin. And when the word of God reveals the bad news of us, uh, that we, of our sin, and we surrender it to him, now then there's reconciliation, there's restoration. God, there's, there's, there's no longer breaking fellowship. And God, I love you, and I'm back where I need to be. Father, walking hand in hand with you, I am thankful that calls a joyful response. You see, Psalm 95 is about calling us to a joyful response because the word of God is alive and it is active. But if you're not picking up the sword each day and letting the Holy Spirit with his fine scalpel peel away some things, in some instances, it's literally a sword that he has to chop off some things of our lives. Notice, though, in verse 14, it says that Jesus is also the living word of God. It's not just the written word, but the written word reveals to us the living word, Jesus, the one who came to earth and dwelt among us. The word of God made flesh and dwelt among us. He is our high priest. He is the one who has gone before us, who light, who like us, was tempted in each way, yet was sinless. And today, the scripture tells us he is seated at the right hand of God. And only until we understand, as we're going through his word, as we are experiencing his grace, as we understand our standing before God, we've received grace, we've received mercy. The greater the grace, the greater the mercy. The greater the understanding of our need to be able to worship him. Listen, I truly believe that the amount, the intensity of joy and worship that we bring is a direct correlation to how we begin to see ourselves in Scripture when the Holy Spirit fillets open my heart and calls me to bring it to the foot of the cross again. You see, listen, when we when we are rightly worshiping in spirit and in truth, when we come expecting God to meet us and we sing to him with joy, when we're not uh, hardened and ignorant and arrogant about what God has done each and every day in our life, when we joyfully respond, when we joyfully respond, we're rightly understanding the written word of God and the living word of God and the place that he has in our life. Today, in this room, 
in the family room and online, there are some folks, you've never found real life in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you thought you had. You've not tasted and seen that God is good. Listen, I want you to know that today, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is moving in this room, the family room, and in your home if you're online. And he is wooing and calling and drawing you. If there's anything that's happened today in your heart, that's not because we've had great worship. That's not because you've had some kind of speaker. It's because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today. And the truth of the word is drawing you to Jesus. And the only way to have true life is found in Jesus Christ and surrendering your life to him. It's the only way. And today our desire is this, is that if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, we invite you to do that. I invite you to do that. We want you to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. How do you do that? Well, a couple of ways. One, if you're in this room or in the family room, we want to talk with you if you're comfortable. If you're not, you're online, you're not comfortable speaking to us face-to-face, you can text the word Jesus to the number on the screen, and we will be in touch with you like today. (laughs) We're going to call you. We're going to get back in touch with you because we want you to understand that Jesus Christ died for your sins. And how you can find real life. There are in this very room, in the family room, online, in here today, you've come in. And you know what? We sang the beginning portion of this worship service. There were some songs you probably knew. There were some songs maybe you go, I don't know about that song. I don't, I don't know it. It's hard to sing. Here's what I want you to hear me say, okay? We're about to respond again. We've carved out some time. I just want you to hear that. We've carved out some time. This isn't carving out time so that like, you can get your stuff packed up. I got to go. We've carved out time because Zion and our team, they're going to come, and we're going to respond. And you know what I'm calling you to? I'm calling you to joyfully lift your voice and sing. If you know Jesus Christ in this room or in the family room, online, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we need to make joyful noise today. We need to do it with a smile. We need to do it with hearts to say, God, though I am facing all of these things, I'm choosing joy. I'm bringing it to the foot of the cross today. I'm going to lay it down, and I'm going to choose joy, and I'm singing in spite of what it is that I'm facing today. All right, now let's pray together. Father, I love you and I thank you. You have been good to us, God. Jesus, we magnify you today. And I pray right now that if there are those who do not know your son Jesus as Lord and Savior, I pray that today they would surrender their lives to you, that they would confess their sin of unbelief. They've tried everything else, but now they've come and they're trusting you. God, I pray that today how we worship, how we sing to you would be a testimony to those around us that it might draw others who don't know you. We magnify you today, Jesus. And it's in your name we ask these things.